Well, welcome. Welcome to A Coach's Perspective. I'm your host, Jenny Hopkins, and we have a great show for you tonight, and I'm so excited about it. Um, but let's show some gratitude to our presenting sponsor, Great Southern Bank. Thank you to Joe Turner and Kelly Polonis, all of their teammates over at Great Southern Bank. They are serious about convenience. With nearly 100 banking centers in six states, hundreds of ATMs and mobile and online banking services, you're always in touch with your money. Learn more at greatsouthernbank.com. Member FDIC. Other sponsors that we're going to talk about throughout the show include Highland Dairy, Craig Lehman with Shelter Insurance, Bill Grant Ford in Bolivar, Story Construction, West Logging, Greg and Melinda Burnett, and Springfield Yard Cards. So we have we have a great show tonight. Before we do that, I want to recap last week. Last week we had Dr. Kerwin Erhan and Doug Fessler on from the Missouri State High School Activities Association. Uh, we covered the class one, two, and three and previewed that. And what a great final four that was. And congratulations to them on such a tremendous event. This weekend, class four, five, and six are invading JQH Arena. And we will have six new state champions. And it should be a lot of fun. Uh, boys and girls are participating. And it is going to be a tremendous event again. So I encourage you to head out to those final fours. And we thank Misha for all of their work in bringing this event to our community. Uh, we're very proud to host that here in Springfield, Missouri, and we are very excited to see the teams play this weekend. If you want to listen to that episode, you can go to acoachesperspective.com and listen to it under previous shows, or you can go to Apple iTunes, Spotify, Verbal, and it's now even on Helium Satellite Radio. All of those are under a coach's perspective. Um, another thing before we get started, I want to give a shout-out um, to Colton Gardner. Colton Gardner um, is the um, proprietor of Gardner & Sons, the feed store in Bolivar. And it is a re- local restaurant, but Colton has started a sports blog. And he is very excited about his sports blog, and he loves to talk about sports, especially baseball. Um, and he loves to talk to athletes. He's starting a podcast, and I want to wish him the best of luck. But you can find him on Facebook under Colton's Sports Blog. And so I encourage you to try and uh, give give that a listen. He does a nice job, and he posts some great things. All right, so we're going to dive into a pretty deep topic tonight. So I hope you all are ready. Got your seatbelts on? Because this is going to get deep. But this is going to be something that I think is um, that needs to be in the forefront. We need to have this conversation. We need to talk about these things. And we're going to talk a little bit about the mental health of college athletes and then we're going to talk a little bit about what happens after their eligibility. You know, you, you're such fans of a lot of these athletes that are putting themselves out there, that are working so hard, that are, you know, it's really their two full-time jobs. They're going to school as a full-time student. They're a full-time athlete. Um, and we're such fans of their work and so appreciative of what they do. But then after they graduate, what happens? Um, who, who are they? What kind of identity do they feel they have? So we're going to talk to me, talk a little bit about this and, one of the people that brought this to me um, is is going to be my guest tonight, but also my co-host in this series. We're going to do a two-part series, and she's no stranger to the sports scene. Um, and she was a standout with Walnut Grove Girls Basketball. She won two state championships. Uh, she was the player of the year in Missouri, All-State, All-Ozark. So then she goes to Drury University. She's a two-time all-conference player, two-time all-region selection. She's a record setter. I mean, her Walnut Grove teams went 108 and 18 Jury, 113 and 16. So she, every time she stepped on the floor for high school basketball and for college basketball, she won the majority of their games. 221 to 34. A pretty incredible career and a very 
high intense competitor. So I want to welcome to the show Heather Harmon. Thanks. That's quite the introduction. Yes. I, I peaked early in life is what I hear. <laughs> yeah, right. I hear that. <laughs> well, and one of the reasons I wanted to give a, a snapshot of, you know, of what you've done is because you were very competitive, which mm. means you were extremely involved in your sport. And, um, you know, this you brought this uh, topic to to me about um, this is something we need to talk about mm-hmm. and how important it is that after eligibility, athletes struggle mm-hmm. uh, we talk about how they struggle during the sport but what about after totally um and so i really appreciate you bringing that and diving diving deep yeah um, we also have a, a guest joining us tonight and he was a listen to this phrase whirlwind of a force mm-hmm. he was one of the best and i mean the best defenders that men's soccer at missouri state university has ever had um and i i know that uh, you were described as one of by one of your teammates as the ultimate teammate as well that would always go to bat for um for the team, and I think that's really impressive. And also from West Plains, you were all Ozarks, three-time All-District, All-State. Uh, I want to welcome to the show Nick Dryden. Thanks for having me. I'm not sure where those lies came from. Right. The <laughs> World Wide it. Web. Everything's true it. on the World Wide Web. <laughs> that's right. uh-huh. Well, I, I really appreciate both of you being here, and to be honest, kind of putting yourselves out there a little bit to talk about this topic, because it is something that um, a lot of people don't think about. They're so into when you are eligible and what you are doing um, and don't give as much thought to afterward. And so mm-hmm. that's what we want to talk about. So first off, before we get into any of that, let me go back to your playing days and tell me, um, and I'll, I'll start with Heather on this question. What was your favorite part of being a college athlete? Oh my gosh. Of being a college athlete. I mean, I got to play at, you know, my dream university just 30 minutes down the road that I, I mean, I grew up going to basketball camps there and, um, I mean, that was always my dream school. So even just getting to be there and, and getting to, to suit up with, you know, jury across my chest was just a huge honor um, in and of itself. But man, I had so much fun. And like you said, I was really blessed to be successful individually and as a team through all four years. And, um, you know, some of my best friends today, I, I met at jury. So um, both on, you know, the team and, and off. So um, there's too many really good memories just to call out one. But um, yeah, it was it was the experience of a lifetime for sure. And what about you, Nick? What was it that you loved about being a collegiate athlete? Very similar uh, story, really, is, you know, I wanted to go to Missouri State. I grew up going to the soccer camps there, Uh, you know, got to know Coach Leamy through that, going to the team camps in high school, and that's the school that I wanted to go to. Um, Luckily, it worked out for me. So, (laughs) um, but, you know, just the the guys that I've met, you know, throughout my college career there, similar to, to Heather, um, so close to them to this day, talk to them, you know, day in, day out, had an hour long conversation with a fellow alum. Um, I believe it was Monday just randomly. Um, and so that's, yeah, it's the guys. It's like a bond that, Mm -hmm. um, some people, it's hard to comprehend, you know, that, that you, you went through so many, um, physical things, but also the emotions of being an athlete and, and being able to train and, um, uh, but just be those those peaks and those valleys and 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 it is something that is pretty special about about forming a friendship. It's mm-hmm. and you can probably not see them for ten years and pick up right where you <laughs> left off. Isn't mm-hmm. that true? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's the unique shared experience is the term for sure. It is the highest highs and the lowest lows, and you're kind of in all of that together. And um, yeah, that definitely creates a unique bond for sure. 
So let's kind of let's kind of segue into what we're talking about, and I want to stay with the collegiate athletes right now. So, so again, stay in your um, college days. Um, there are a lot of mental roadblocks that a lot of college athletes are seeing right now. Um, yeah, as a sports counselor, you know, working with teams and individuals, I have um, you know a lot of, of different mental roadblocks that we work on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, fear of failure, perfectionism, performance anxiety, success guilt which is a thing. Um, there are some people that um, are very successful and they don't feel like they deserve it. Um, that is successful. Inconsistent competence. Um, so some of those things, you know, that, that are, and they are, they are mental roadblocks that are expanding each and every year because I don't think that we are providing enough support services for athletes to minimize these things. Mm-hmm. So let's, I mean, let's talk a little bit about fear of failure and perfectionism, which are a little bit similar. You want to have a little fear of failure. That's not all bad. Totally. You, that means you care, right? Mm-hmm. You care. Um, tell me how, how you all dealt with some of the mental roadblocks that you may have encountered mm-hmm. um, throughout your time as college athletes. I'll start with Nick on this one. Really, I think a, a lot of mine, it, it boiled down to, I mean, I have folks depending on me. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, there's certainly a fear of failure, but, you know, I've just trying to tell yourself that you've put in the work, you've put in the effort, uh, you deserve to be here. Uh, your, your coaches feel that way. That's why you're in this position. And, you know, especially in team sports, you have, you know, so many other, uh, folks depending on you that you, you really have no choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to have to push through it. And so you take that instead of having that be pressure that you have these people, you're channeling that more into motivation. Absolutely. And yeah. finding a way to do that is kind of what has helped you, mm-hmm. um, which I think is is wonderful because I think sometimes I call them roadblocks for a reason because sometimes they they don't get to that point. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the hard part. What about you, Heather? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you kind of already alluded to this a little bit, but just being a part of two programs that traditionally were pretty successful, um, there was a high level of expectation, really, at all times, (laughs) Um, you know, both on and off the floor. And as athletes and as competitors, I think we already naturally have those expectations of ourselves. We already have this high pressure feeling that maybe other people don't put on us. But so, you know, when we already feel that personally, and then we feel those external pressures um, to be successful, to be perfect, um, that can be really crippling at times. And then exactly what you said. I mean, we have a whole life outside of basketball, not much. I mean, it is, (laughs) it is, or or sports, not just basketball, but I mean, you know, with school and and maintaining a full-time workload and, and like there is so much pressure in the classroom too. And, you know, we don't talk about that. And, um, you know, you said it that, that there's a lack of resources, but I, I would say even the, the resources that we do have, um, a lot of times athletes don't feel safe to pursue them. They don't feel like, you know, they can go to their coaches or their trainers or whoever and say, you know, hey, I'm really struggling mentally or, you know, God forbid they ever say that they needed a break, right? That, that shows a sign of weakness, right? That shows that, you know, maybe we shouldn't put Heather on the court today. She's a, she's a head case, right? We, we hear that term a lot. And so, um, uh, totally agree that there are a lack of resources and the statistics, I mean, show that those that, you know, student athletes that do struggle with these mental disorders or just mental, you know, issues or roadblocks, like you're calling them, um, statistically, even less of them actually pursue help or, or seek out help. And a lot of people, a lot of student athletes struggle with that in silence. 
And that's one of the reasons I call them roadblocks is yeah. because, you know, they may be roadblocks, but, you know, you can move roadblocks. You mm-hmm. can get through. You can find avenues um, to pursue that will help you get through those roadblocks and you can get out and you can you can move those roadblocks mm-hmm. and, and drive through. And I think that's something that um, I don't know that there are um, not enough resources. I'm not sure the resources are able right now to keep up. That's right. And I don't think that the conversations have, have happened enough to be able to, to keep up with all of them. Mm-hmm. And then what you bring up um, is very important part is we are taught as athletes to show no weakness. Mm-hmm. Uh, you cannot show weakness. You've got to be on point. Mm-hmm. Um, that perfectionism comes in. You need to, you need to be able to step up and not have these weaknesses. And, and a lot of times there's, you know, a lot of coaches that'll be like, Oh my goodness. All right. <laughs> well, you know, say she's mental. Go fix yourself and then come back when you're ready and I'll, you know, find someone that's ready to go. And, and so there's some shame brought. Um, to having that conversation when really if they could get some support they could be even better there's no telling what would be released for their potential so why do you think it is a difficult conversation for college athletes to have with their coaches or their trainers yeah I mean I think I mean it's exactly that right the pressure on ourselves and then the pressure that isn't bad right we want our coaches to encourage us to be the best that we can be we want our coaches to push us right that's why we're there and we wouldn't we wouldn't be successful without that Um, but again, it just comes back to, you know, we want to, we want our coaches to be proud of us. We want them to be able to trust us. And the, you know, we've, we've grown up, most of us playing competitively from a very young age. Um, and so what we know to be true is that if we put the work in, we'll see results. And that is true. Um, and so what we do know also is that if we're not working, somebody else is right that I'm constantly fighting for my starting position. I'm constantly fighting for a position on the team, right? Um, and so again, added pressure, right? And so we're, we're afraid to come to our coaches and say that, you know, I'm struggling or I just need help in this area because then we're afraid that they might start losing that trust that they have in us, right? We might lose our starting spot. We might lose the opportunity to get to compete at this level. And we don't want that either, right? What we're saying is we want to balance. We want to be able to explore those resources. We want to be able to be honest about where we are, but we also don't want to feel like we're giving up this huge opportunity that is so fleeing. That's, you know, at the end of the day, it is four years if you're lucky, right? If you're lucky, you get to the end of those four years. And so, um, like most things, it is a balance, but I do think that it's a hard balance to, to have because honestly, we just, we just haven't. And, um, you know, like you said, what, whatever resources do exist, I think within the past couple of years alone, you want to talk about uncharted, <laughs> uncharted territory, right? <laughs> right? Especially for student athletes, those who did have their careers end because of a pandemic on a random day, you know, in March before they were ever ready and we're never ready. But, um, I, I would I would be very curious to see kind of the statistics both in athletes who are still playing that kind of went through that, you know, with with the pandemic and then but, you know, post, like we said, um, kind of leaving athletics um, in that way as well. Yes, I definitely agree. And I think, you know, I think that's something, you know, if you wanted to stay after and work on free throws, you know, a coach would stay, mm-hmm. you know, an hour and work on free throws with you or, you know, if you wanted to work on a, a, a sport specific skill. But sometimes it's hard for coaches. Now, I, of course, I want to give credit to a lot of coaches that yeah. are fantastic yeah. and approachable. And I think, um, Nick, I think Coach Leamy was a very approachable coach. You could go to him, you know, about anything. Um, I also do want to give credit to a lot of athletic trainers and the, the, the resources that they have and that they have um, really expanded a lot of their education 
um, to be able to handle some of these um, mental health issues. And so I think our trainers are a great resource as well. Um, all right, we're going to take um, a quick break and show some gratitude to our sponsors. We want to thank Great Southern Bank for being our presenting sponsor. And we're going to continue this co- this conversation. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the transition of after eligibility. And we're going to talk about a TikTok video from Heather Harmon. So Heather Harmon, Nick Dryden, I'm Jenny Hopkins. We'll be right back on A Coach's Perspective. I'm Jenny Hopkins, and I have Nick Dryden, and I have Heather Harmon here, and we are sponsoring by this in this segment by Highland Dairy. Highland Dairy has been owned by dairy farmers, and they've been providing a great selection of nutritious dairy products since 1938. It's a proven fact from scientific studies and professional dietitians that the ideal sports beverage recovery drink available to athletes after a workout is chocolate milk. And Highland Dairy has the best tasting chocolate, and they're a proud sponsor of A Coach's Perspective. And we did a little bit of flashback to your college days, right? And we talked about some of those roadblocks. But, you know, let's just be really open and honest right now. Put yourselves out there. Um, did you have chocolate milk after work? <laughs> <laughs> and was it Highland Dairy chocolate? Of course it was. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Very good. Uh, they're a proud sponsor, and we are very grateful for Greg Stevenson and his entire team over at Highland Dairy. All right, so we're, we're talking a little bit about um, the mental health roadblocks of college athletes, but really after, let's transition a little bit after eligibility. And I, I think, you know, kind of setting the scene is, you know, we are so into, um, you know, what the performance is, you know, what, how did men's soccer do today? You know, how did the Bears do? How what, what did jury do? What, how did they play? You know, who, who did well? And you get into these generations and you are so supportive of these athletes um, and the coaches as well. Um, and when you get out of high school, you come to college, you've got a coach, you've got a strength training coach, you've got an academic advisor, you've got all these people, you've got an athletic trainer that are telling you, you know, where to go, when to get there, how to get there, when to get on the bus, where to go eat. Um, and then after eligibility, you know, they're like, oh, thanks for everything. We appreciate it. Hello, new recruits. Good luck to you all. And so then you kind of drop a little bit. Now, not all coaches are like this. I'm speaking, obviously, in general terms. Um, but what is that transition after eligibility, that first year when you are finished um, playing a sport that you've played pretty much your whole entire life, and now competitively you are not representing a school? How did, how did that feel? I'll, I'll start with Heather on this one. Yeah, well, I mean, I think at first it kind of felt good of like, okay, for the first time in my life, I'm getting like an actual break, right? And, you know, usually we're used to like two-week breaks when we're just thinking about going back the whole time. Um, So at first it was, you know, mentally and physically, it's going to feel nice to just have a little bit of a break. And then, you know, a couple of months go by and you have more free time than you've ever known what to do with and you don't know what to do with it. Um, and that can feel really lonely. It can feel really just like you're questioning a lot. Um, and you know, exactly what you said, we're, we're not used to having to make really a lot of decisions for ourselves. And, you know, again, growing up competitively and playing travel ball and things like that, a lot of people are making decisions for you. Um, of course, with your best interest in mind, right, with parents and coaches and things like that. And then when you, you know, graduate high school and, and you go to compete at the next level, exactly what you said, a whole team of people dedicated to make that transition as seamless as possible. And then um, really most of us for, for the first time in our lives are having to make really big decisions about, you know, where am I going to live? What am I going to do for work? 
Um, but also really small decisions like what am I going to do with my free time? What does it look like um, for exercising for me now? How often do I do that? How hard and rigorously do right. I do that? Because I'm used to you know doing that at a, a specific level. And um, I, I just think that is kind of the part of it that we're just um, not really talking about that you know, athletes or, or post-athletes, right, are kind of struggling with those things coupled with that identity um, kind of dramatic but crisis, right, of I've always been this person or this has always been the thing that I've done and I can't do that now. So really, who, who am I now? Right. That, that is uh, something that you do go through is, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times the sport you play, I mean, that's what you do. It doesn't yeah. define who you are. Um, but at that age, you don't, you don't really get that concept. That's right. easy for someone in their forties to say, Totally. but that is not easy sometimes to, for, you know, a 22 year old to comprehend. What about you, Nick? Very similar. And it's tough because, you know, you, you see it coming, you know, it's coming. Obviously I, I knew that I was not going to be playing professional soccer, but you can't prepare for it, mm-hmm. um, because you are so focused on the next game and, you have the confidence that you're going to win that game, so it's not going to be your last. So you said, well, this isn't my last game. And then all of a sudden it is. Mm-hmm. So there's a good chunk of time that you just, it's like, holy cow. Kind of denial, you yeah, think? Yeah, definite denial. Sometimes I still deny it. But, <laughs> um, but that's what indoor soccer is for. Right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so a lot of uh, denial and, yeah, a lot of questioning of w- what do I do with my time. I went from, you know, a Full slate of classes, 15 hours of classes, uh, weights, um, practice, games, to then all of a sudden less school even and no practice, no weights, nothing. So, so much free time and yeah, kind of figuring out how to fill that void is, mm-hmm. is very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unfortunately some folks, you know, they start drinking more, they stop working out, they gain weight. They, so there's, you know, a, a lot of struggles that, that can, and, and triggers too. How about, how about the first time that, that both of you went and sat in the stands and watched your former team play? <laughs> How'd that go for you? <laughs> so nerve wracking. Um, so nerve wracking because you, you don't have that control anymore. Um, obviously with soccer, I've got 10 other guys on the field plus, you know, subs coming in and coaches chipping in, but you know, I, I had a big part of the outcome um, with with my play, but then now all of a sudden I'm sitting in the stands and I have nothing to do with it. And so nerve-wracking for sure. Yeah, definitely nerve-wracking. I would echo that. I think also it it is just, it's so weird. I don't know the word for it, but, you know, when you're in the thick of it, it's such a big deal and it's you take it so seriously and then, you know, you come back, you know, a few months later and you realize just, like, I don't know the word for it, but it's just like weird, you know, and just um, the finality of it, I think, you know, is kind of shocking of like, this was such a huge part of my life. And now I'm so far removed from it. Um, and I'll never experience it in that capacity again. So it's definitely weird. <laughs> that, that is, I, I, I can, I can relate to that. Definitely. So um, we're, we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit about, um, you know, Heather, you had this TikTok video, and I want to talk a little bit about that. We're going to have to take our, our next break, um, and I want to thank uh, Highland Dairy for sponsoring this segment, along with uh, Drs. Greg and Melinda Burnett, as they support local and thoughtful radio, and we're going to show some gratitude to our sponsors. And uh, we will be right back here on A Coach's Perspective, and we'll continue this conversation with Heather Harmon and Nick Dryden.
good coach's perspective. Hey, this segment is sponsored by Bill Grant Ford in Bolivar. And they know cars. They know trucks. They know SUVs. And they know service. Thank you very much. They just did some work on my vehicle, and I'm very grateful for that. They know how to keep their customers happy and loyal. Kelly Grant, Shane Rainey, they will take care of you. Give them a call at 417-326-7671. This segment is also sponsored by West Logging. They have over 50 years' experience. Go to westlogging.com or find Danny West on Facebook, and he's going to treat your land like his own. It's also sponsored by Craig Lehman with Shelter Insurance. So we're back with uh, Heather Harmon and Nick Dryden, and we're talking a little bit about um, kind of some of the identity. Crisis is a dramatic word. Um, but some of the, the the identity issues that collegiate athletes may have after their eligibility is is over, and you know, you, you know, Nick, you were bringing up an interesting point too. I think that um, a lot of the mental health for athletes in general is going in the right direction, where it's it's not necessarily keeping up with the needs, but it is going in the right direction, and and I think that's due to the efforts of athletic directors, athletic trainers, um, seeing that need and trying to provide those resources for their for their athletes. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think a lot of it, too, comes back to very high-profile athletes uh, not being scared to speak out. You look at Simone Biles at the Olympics. You look at Michaela Schifrin at the Olympics. And, you know, just them being open and honest. You know, Michaela Schifrin's crying on TV talking about her struggles and it's showing in her performance as well. And I think people are just becoming a lot more accepting of the pressure that we're putting not only on those athletes, but on college athletes, high school athletes. And it's trickling down even further, unfortunately, but it's, it's becoming a more open topic at least. I think so. And I, I think that's one of the reasons we're generating this conversation is because um, we want it to continue to go in that direction. We want the the needs of these athletes um, to be met. And I think that's something that, you know, I, I do think, though, there are times where um, athletes are given some resources and choose not to use them. And and I think that's something, too. So that brings me into who is responsible for the mental health of an athlete. Is it on um, the parents? Is it on the coach? I feel like it's, you know, obviously on the athlete or you're never really going to get, um, you're never going to really make progress until they take some ownership and the fact that they're struggling. However, um, there are people that can take notice and, you know, and guide that process. And so I think it's a collective responsibility. Mm-hmm. But what are your thoughts on who who is responsible for, for helping some of these athletes, you know, even after eligibility? I'll start with Heather. Yeah, I mean, I think you're exactly right. It's, it's a collective responsibility for everybody that has face time with the athlete or a responsibility to the athlete, and that includes the athlete themselves, right? Um, and I think like most things, it starts at home. I think if we're starting this conversation by the time athletes are juniors or seniors in college, we're about like 18 years too late, right? And, and you know, you think of how early you started playing soccer. I mean, what, probably three, four, five years old. I mean, when four. you could, yep. yeah, when you could walk, you're, you know, um, which is great. And then, and, and a lot of that is why we're able to compete at the next level and, and do those things. But just, you know, I, I think parents do have a unique responsibility because they have the most in the earliest time. Um, and the most formative time, right, with athletes that think about the the car rides to and from games and practices and tournaments and just the conversations that you can have there. And, you know, how are you speaking to your athlete? Are you only proud of them after they win or after they play well? And what does the conversation in the car ride look like when they lose and they don't play well? Right. Um, really important time there. I think, of course, outside of parents, coaches probably have the second most face time, um, you know, high school, AAU and college. 
Um, and, and so very similar kind of just what philosophies are we building up in our athletes? And, um, again, at, at the, at the college level, um, I think the, the university, the athletic directors, the training staff, I mean, anybody who has FaceTime with an athlete, with the athlete, excuse me, has a responsibility to the athlete to, to help both while they're there, but exactly what you're saying is, um, kind of with that transition as well. So, um, at the end of the day, the athlete has to take that ownership that if you need help, say something. There has to be somebody that you can, can talk to. If it's not a coach, maybe it's a trainer. Maybe it's a school counselor. Um, I know that was a, a resource that we had to us at, at Jury University too, but, um, a teammate, I mean, message me on Instagram, you know, like there has to be somebody, um, that if that need is there, you have the responsibility to, to speak up. Um, and so exactly that, um, you know, we, we all have a responsibility, but at, at some level it has to, you know, you have to be able to take that ownership as an athlete. One of the things I say often on this show that you get out of sports, the number one thing, the lesson I feel like that you get is coping skills is, yeah. is learning how to fail forward, learning how to fail, get back up and continue forward. Um, and part of, of that is speaking up. That's mm-hmm. a coping skill, a coping totally. skill that reaching out and asking for help and, Sometimes that takes more strength than weakness. Um, who do you feel like, um, Nick, the responsibility is and, and how can we encourage athletes to, um, to, to show that strength to ask for help? Yeah, I, I think you both touched on it. I think it does fall on everybody um, and, you know, everybody collectively checking in with the athletes on a continuing basis. Uh, obviously, you know, one of the focuses here is the transition into the real world. Um, so, you can't fully prepare for that because you don't know what it will be like. Um, so continuing those check-ins after the athlete is done. So, you know, not forgetting about them, setting them up with, you know, mentorships and, and things of that nature, I think can be key as well. I agree. And we're going to talk a little bit about some possible solutions. Um, and, but before we do that, you know, Heather, what, I know this is close to your heart, but let's talk about your TikTok. Um, mm-hmm. for those out there that, um, no TikTok. This can be something that is a great platform to put different issues out there. So tell us a little bit about the post that you made and the response that you received. Yeah, it, it sounds kind of silly to talk about that, right? Like I had a TikTok that, yeah. <laughs> that made me think about this. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, I graduated in, in 2018, so about four years ago now. And really since then, I mean, I've struggled with a lot of the things that we've talked about today with the identity crisis and just the kind of anxiety and um, just a lot of other things that have come up since my my time, you know, as a as a collegiate basketball player, but just a basketball player in general. And, um, you know, I, I just have been feeling this way and like I does wondering, does anybody else feel this way? Right. Like, am I so weird that I'm like struggling with these things? Am I just like this washed up has been that can't get over it, you know? And I was in the gym one day and I was feeling extremely frustrated that physically the limitations and mentally the limitations that I was experiencing that I just never experienced before. Right. Like walking a mile now is like, I used to run a six minute mile, you know, 634, but yeah. Right. (laughs) Only four years out. Um, but really that can be really hard. And so I posted a silly TikTok video just saying like, are there any other former athletes that feel this way that have this kind of relationship with the gym that struggle with, you know, anxiety, identity issues, um, and, and just some other things. And I was blown away with the response. I mean, over a million views, thousands of comments, thousands of likes, and really all of the comments were 
so kind and affirming and just people sharing their experiences and saying, you know, I never had put the these all together, but, um, you know, I've been feeling this way for 20 years. Like, I can't tell you how many comments there were from 30s and 40s, you know, people in their 30s and 40s saying, like, you know, I've been feeling this way. And so for me, it was quite the eye opener of, one, we're never as alone as we might think that we are. Um, but two, just how powerful it is in speaking up and, and realizing that there is a space for these conversations to be having and we can be doing so much more. And I think we've got, you know, as Rocky Balboa would say, we've got a little beast in the basement. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, we yeah. still, and you still have the, you know, just because you stop competing doesn't mean you're not competitive. Totally. And so that is something. So, so you've got a channel. I think one of the solutions is channeling and finding an outlet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Nick, you talked a little bit about your, one of your outlets is indoor soccer. So, what is it that you're doing now to kind of to, to kind of guide yourself into um, being competitive, um, but also being able to balance into the real world? Yeah, so I think that is one of the biggest struggles that I personally had is figuring out where to channel that, how to channel it, and you know filling that void of competitiveness. Um, so indoor soccer is a big one for me. I play typically once a week, um, but then I actually also got very big into running and cycling, so that's a big one. Um, I've you know ran a marathon. I've done an ultra. One of those, uh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> the best of us. Yeah, yes. Well, that's a whole other mental health category. So yeah, <laughs> Just kidding. but it, that's been amazing for me because it's not only you know in the day you're not competing as much as you are with the team sports, but you're competing in your training and moving moving that forward day in and day out, and then ultimately competing against others. So there's yeah, there's nothing like that. That competition. Do you feel like you have um, maybe embraced a little bit more control back in your in your physical health, and that has helped you a little bit with your mental health? Yeah, um, certainly harnessing that, and you know, the further out you get, obviously. I so saw my last season was fall of '09, so I'm a little further out than uh, than Heather. <laughs> um, so figuring out how to channel that and, and structure that better, um, but you still need that structure. If I try and freewheel, it, it doesn't work. I need a, you know, kind of a set workout regimen to, to be successful still. I agree. And, you know, it's been a little even further for me, so you can feel better by <laughs> saying that. But I remember after I was finished with my eligibility, I, it was hard for me to go run because my entire life someone's made me run. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'm not going to go run. I get, I get to choose what I do. And, um, and now, of course, you know, I, I run because I, I, you know, usually feel like I'm being chased. I just feel <laughs> like I need to run. You know, it's just good physical health. But I, I feel like that is some of the, the things that you have to channel. Okay, I'm going to run for me. I'm going to be healthy yep. for me. I'm going to be able to compete for that. And that is something that um, it takes a while for some athletes to get there. Um, post-athletic depression, that is that is something that I feel like will be in the next um DSM handbook. I really do. I feel like that is something that is going to be coming down the pipe is um, that post-athletic depression is a real thing. And a lot of people have trouble getting out of it. Um, And a lot of people have trouble helping athletes get out of that. And so I think, uh, again, those resources are are really important as well. Do you feel like this TikTok video um, has helped generate some conversation um, with any possible solutions? So we talk about channeling into other healthy outlets. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what, what are you doing to try to help with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it does start with just having the conversation, starting the conversation. Right. Um, and honestly, speaking candidly, that would be my goal is that I can have those conversations with current athletes, with former athletes, with current coaches, with, 
um, you know, anybody who's willing to have the conversation, right, and willing to be a part of the solution. Um, and, and certainly you're exactly right. I mean, that, that conversation, I think, with current athletes and mental health and current athletes um, has been happening. Um, I think the, the conversation about the transition is happening a lot less than, than that conversation is, and I'm certainly willing to have that. But that is why um, things like TikTok and social media is such a great resource because there's no boundary of who that can reach. There's no boundary of um, who can engage with that and, and kind of be a part of those solutions. And, and again, we already talked about, you know, who's um, responsible. I think everybody that we said is responsible for the athlete is also responsible for um, some of these solutions. And there isn't a one-size-fits-all answer. I don't think there's one thing that we could point to and say, this is going to fix everything. Um, but I do think, again, just the earlier we can start having these conversations, the earlier athletes can start pursuing things outside of their sport that are important to them, that they're passionate about. Um, I think things maybe like a transition program at the collegiate level would be super helpful that, you know, even your freshman year, there's, you know, we have mandatory study hall, right? Mandatory things like that. <laughs> Why can we not sneak in some curriculum or just some um, programming that talks about, you know, here's here's how you here's what it looks like to work out sustainably. Here's what it looks like to, um, you know, on the nutritional level and things like that, that we have so much time with our athletes um, at the collegiate level. There's no reason we can't, you know, sneak in some of those right. conversations. So and both of you are successful right now in your lives. I mean, you know, you're a sales and account manager at Provider Partners Health Plans and you're selling real estate. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, you have, you've continued with your lives. It's totally. not like you're being crippled by any of this. Um, but but it just would help so much to continue to have that conversation with people right. and understand. And I love that idea of having some curriculum, you know, possibly even a block class for a senior athlete to take. Or, you know, even if it's just maybe a couple of Saturdays and you, you know, right. and you have someone come in and work with them on transitional skills. And, totally. Hey, this might this might be a trigger for you. And here's what we can do to, you know, help you with that. That is something I also think, and you'd said something earlier about this, Nick, is like a mentoring program could really assist maybe former athletes, you know, and if there's any college coaches out there, you know, have a a mentoring program to where you have some former athletes that maybe mentor your seniors throughout the season and and help them uh, through that transitional time. Um, I I think that's a great idea. So I want them to steal that from you. Steal Steal away. So is there any other solutions that you think that would be possible to help? Because, you know, we don't want to just talk about the problem. We want to try to have some guidance and some ideas and to try and and brainstorm on this. Any other suggestions that you all have? I think starting with those, really. And then it's, I mean, obviously none of those are going to be perfect solutions. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, at least starting somewhere and then kind of, you know, move forward and figure it out as you go And, Mm -hmm. and just be aware that it's, it's not going to be a perfect solution and yeah, but makes, make some right. progress. And at some level, it's always going to be hard, right? I mean, you dedicated 18, whatever, how many years of your life to something that was really important to you. I don't, I think it would be foolish to say there's going to be a solution that nobody will ever experience sadness or anything that's not great after their sport. You know, I'm not naive to that either. Um, so I think it's a little bit of acknowledging again, that there will be a balance, but um, exactly what you're saying. As long as that isn't, you know, crippling and you're not able to, you know, be a contributing member of society because of some of these things, um, there, there are resources. I think sometimes it's a lack of resourcefulness more so than a lack of resources, but, 
Um, yeah, I totally agree is just kind of starting somewhere. And I'm going to take it now a step further. All right. So as these athletes are trying to transition and they then, you know, all of a sudden they get married and they have children, they have a three-year-old, they have a five-year-old, they have two boys that are playing, you know, youth sports. <laughs> um, <laughs> Nick, I, as a father, um, you know, you see oftentimes in youth sports, uh, overwhelming majority of parents are fantastic, very supportive, very loving, very nurturing. Having yep. those conversations in the car, like she, like Heather was talking about, of did you put in your full effort? Did you have fun today? You know, j- unconditionally loving them no matter what their performance is. Yep. However, you have the flip side, mm-hmm. and you've got um, those fruitcakes that feel <laughs> like they are. This is their chance to regain some of that control through their children, which psychologically can be very damaging. Um, and if they can st- take a step back um, and, and look at that, um, how do you? What is your uh, your feeling now that you are a father of youth athletes? How do you, how do you feel about parenting now? Um, is it their journey, or do you want to try to use some of your journey to help them? So it's incredibly difficult uh, <laughs> to to find the balancing act um, because you do have that competitiveness and you want to see your kids succeed and you you think that they are the best um but that doesn't mean that they are um so it's it's tough to find that balance so i i always try to you know reiterate to them you know before practice before games have fun work hard right and then beyond that at i mean again five and three beyond that i don't say (laughs) anything yes um everybody are you taking notes out there i will (laughs) i will note i did maybe yell at a opposing coach during one game but well sometimes they need reminders and if they're hard of hearing you have to speak up i was frustrated and it came out but i reeled it back in and but yeah for me it's you know just reiterating hey have fun work hard and that's it for now and sometimes that takes a deep breath i mean it you have to take a deep breath and you got to remember those things um but you also have to look at the long-term effects um you, mm-hmm. you really do they your words matter as parents and as coaches they matter um well i can't i, I can't believe this just flew by i mean nick thank you so much for joining us yeah, um i really a- appreciate you um coach john leamy is one of my all-time favorite coaches in this area and i know that you have mm-hmm. wonderful things to say about him as well um, but I, I know that you, you enjoyed playing for him and appreciate that yep. time. Yeah. And still enjoy the relationship that I have with him. And then yeah. obviously I, I have a great relationship with the, the new head coach, uh, Mike Seabolt. So. That's wonderful. Well, good luck to you. And thank, uh, thank you, you so much. much for joining us Absolutely. tonight. And Heather Harmon, thank you for bringing this topic to us. But guess what? You're coming back next week as uh, as my co-host again. And we're going to continue this conversation. We've got a couple other angles that we're going to look at. And I always move into the post-game talk. And and so we're going to go to the post-game talk. Sponsored by Story Construction. High-quality industrial and commercial construction since 1966. Go to story, S-T-O-R-E-E dot com. We're going to continue this conversation. We're going to go into our our post-game talk. And this week, we're in for a treat. I am not going to do the post-game talk. First time ever. Uh, This one is going to be given by my co-host, Heather Harmon. (laughs) More than ever, it is critical that colleges recognize and support their athletes' mental health. Before we are athletes, we are humans. And for the vast majority of us, sports are just a fraction of our lives. We all have a responsibility to be a part of the solution. Parents, coaches, administrators, athletic directors, institutions, and the athletes themselves 
to support them before, during, and after their eligibility. Overtraining, injury, pressure to perform, also known as performance anxiety, lack of free time, stress from schoolwork due to the lack of free time, and many other factors all contribute to increased susceptibility to anxiety and depression in athletes. Athletes, speak up. If you need help, be brave enough to ask for it. Coaches, listen. Create a space safe enough for your athletes to express the issues they're facing, and they are facing them. And the fact is that those issues do not go away at the sound of the final buzzer. They morph into things like disordered eating, identity issues, post-athlete depression, and others. But they don't have to. We can all do better to make the transition out of sports easier for our athletes. Sports are a metaphor for life. Life-shattering pain and life-altering opportunity. The balance of tragedy and triumph. Proof that more than one thing can be true at once. We can celebrate all that we have accomplished and acknowledge how far we have left to go. Let's all be a part of the solution together. I don't think I could have said it any better. And that, listeners, is how champions do it. And I'm going to remind you, as I do each and every week, be a good human and live your life like a champion. Live like a human champion. This is Jenny Hopkins, and this has been A Coach's Perspective.